Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Camp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast, sadly. My name is Chris, I'm your host, and tonight, if you tune into this show for high bra- who am I kidding? Nobody tunes into this show for highbrow entertainment. But if you tune into this show looking for positives and happy, fluffy bunnies and butterflies, I would just probably click subscribe and like the video because you have to do that. That's the law. But after that, I'll just go because this is going to be quite a miserable, moany, stress-filled podcast. I'm just going to warn you in advance. All right. So now we've got that out of the way. I need two people to moan with me. So uh, that sounds a bit wrong. But anyway, uh, first and foremost, uh, welcome back, Josh. How are you, sir? Um, I am free from moan. Don't you worry. I am going to be the light to your dark or the uh, wind beneath your wings, something like that. Who knows what I'll be. But either way, um, we'll get you moaning. <laughs> That's an even worse image. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, Carl, lift the tone somehow. Can we can we lift the tone in any way, shape, or form somehow, please? I will be the dark meat between the sandwich that is oh Chris God. and Josh. Oh, my God. As soon as you said meat and sandwich, I immediately thought of Danny in the bath again. It's like I can't get that. I can't rid myself of that horrid image. And even though he's I not can only that. think how terrible your meal deals must be if you now cannot look at a meat-based sandwich. Tesco's Tesco's never been the same since. It's just like ETSD of Danny every time. I mean, as Uh, we're going to talk about irreverent banter before we get there, I'm going to continue to put my hipster flag in the meal deal mountain that is Boots does the best meal deal. Um, And you all need to get down to Boots. It's not a bad shout, actually. Marks is not not bad either. Triple sandwich. Uh, You can get even like a full-size sausage roll, and then an innocent smoothie with that. It's like five or six quid on its own. And then they're going, yeah, three forty-nine. Easy. And who doesn't best one. like a? F- and who doesn't like a full-size sausage? I mean, exactly. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Um, if you want more of that, subscribe at the OnlyFans in the link below. Let's uh, let's let's get into it then, shall we? So. Um, to those of you watching and tuning in, thank you, first and foremost. You're very welcome to be here, and we love you. Uh, we're not really going to cover Brentford because, frankly, that was a long time ago now, and the here and now is obviously last night's game with Man City. And there's quite a lot to talk about with regards to that game. And I kind of – I wrote out a bit of a script for tonight, and I wrote some notes, and I just threw them away because I was like, Do you know what, this is pointless. I just want to – I just want to kind of go raw. Uh, Emotion-wise, I should stress. So let's just sort of dive in at the deep end. Um, Josh, you said you're going to be the positive light here, so I'll save my statement for after you and Carl have, have had a had a chance to say how you feel. So how how do you feel the day after? We've had nearly 24 hours to digest it all. Where's your head at? Um, 
I'm immensely dis- disappointed, I think, in certain aspects of the game. But generally, all is not over. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We are, um, what, second on goal difference with a game in hand. Now, I'd still take that coming into the run we've got, performances we've seen prior. My only potential worry is um, we've seen that it's the first time in a while that when Arsenal lose, they tended to come straight back in. I mean, we haven't had a game like Man City after a loss. Generally, it's always been our difficult fixture, then a slightly easier one. Um, but off the back of um, yeah, Brentford and Everton, that still feels like a it still feels like we've had a kind of negative run of results. And you know, a uh, former manager, we're coming up against him again. Um, that's it's going to be a difficult game. But I think there's still positives to look at the long term. Um, but as I say, I'm, I'm by no means happy we lost. But I don't think I'm on the full negative scale of, um, yeah, I suppose I've probably, I'm tweeting or talking like some of the Instagram posts the players have put out, um, Martinelli and Saka, you know, in terms of, they're probably putting on a brave face and I'm just putting on probably, you'll tell me, Chris, a naive face. Um, <laughs> but I, we will get into probably the detail of the game um, because I still say there are there's a long way to go with this Arsenal squad um, and I don't want to um, wet anyone else's gunpowder on the points they've got by continuing to talk about it. And Carl, um, I suppose, do you want to give us your thoughts as well uh, on the game before I pick up and talk about every possible aspect of the game. I felt like we played the occasion rather than the actual match. I felt like you could tell that there was a message from Arteta and it was play the Arsenal way, play the Arsenal way, play the Arsenal way. And I felt like we overplayed just a little bit too much. There were times when Ramsdale should have gone long and he kept passing, um, doing the short pass into the box. And I felt like he was doing that because of this whole play your game, play your own game. You could tell that was the message at half time. keep playing the way you want to play or the way we want to play and we'll get at them. And we didn't change it up. And I felt that was a real point. I felt like sometimes we just took too many touches. You know, there's so many chances we could talk about. The Saka one where I don't know why he didn't shoot. Um, he decided to take too many touches in the box, got tackled. The Granite Xhaka one where he literally put Pinkers Rodri or Diaz on his ass didn't do anything with the ball and then got tackled. Just like, I just felt and there was a nervousness around the Arsenal players, which was annoying because I truly, truly think Man City were there for the taking. In that first half, we were the best team. We were better than them. We we could have beat them and, and we didn't. I just felt like, you know, the occasion got to them. I felt like they were a little bit of nerves and I think once Man City got their rhythm, we couldn't, handle them we couldn't get anywhere near them they just showed a different level um yesterday and you know this is something that we've got to learn um 
There were a number of players who played okay. There are a number of players who didn't play well, let's be very honest, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, I think confidence is key. And I tweeted that yesterday. And we've got to get another win very, very soon. You know, it's we've not had a win in three games. And I feel like we've almost forgotten how to win. So we need to definitely get another um, win very, very soon just to get that confidence back and, our, and the winning way back. Yeah, and um, arguably the fixture we got up next is one of the worst I would pick personally, but we come on to that bit later on. Yeah, I mean, uh, to echo both of your points there, um, I'm not coming sit here and like rant because I don't really think it, it, it needs that, but there was parts of last night that I just found so naive, like so to the, to the point where I felt in the second half, we, we were almost a bit embarrassing. I genuinely feel that way because we were just this there's there's principles you can have as a manager. And 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 this is, you know, that Mikhail's done some wonderful things. This this obsession with playing, you know, all the time and showing your you know, showing your, um, what's the word, um, your, what's, help me out here, what's the word, identity, that's what I'm looking for, and and I'm all for that, and yes, we, we have scored some lovely goals, both under him and Devenga previously, where we played out from the back, but there is a time and a place, there is an opposition and a situation, there's a, an occasion, as you said, Carl, and then there's a standard game, and although I felt we were probably the better side in the first half last night, I think that was largely because Pep did a pep and played in a you know attacking cam at left back, as you do. And and as soon as he changed that and worked us out tactically, I just thought we were so poor second half. And nerves, I, I agree with you, Carl. I think that, that played a part. But there were so many individual things which we might come on to in a minute that I just found really silly. And something that wound me up about our our play last night as well was we we seem to have this you, you know a few a few weeks ago when Richard Keys was rubbing his little nub to the point where there was hardly any left over Arteta's antics in in the dugout a lot of people um, a lot of ex pros and they were saying oh you know as a player would that bother you if Arteta would, was doing that if your manager was hopping around on the sideline and they all said oh no no you know we thrive I I totally disagree. And I feel last night was an example of where our manager, you know, and our coaching staff and everybody around him not being calm, it 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 leaked onto the pitch last night. We were so petulant all the time, asking for Man City players to be booked, constantly playing the victim all the time. And we'll come on to the VAR stuff a little bit later on because it does, like you said, Carl, it does need addressing. But I just felt that we fell into City's hands last night. You know, we were so petulant. And, you know, there's so many things. This is, I say, this is not an Arteta bash because he's done some wonderful things. But however good at your job you are, you can still find, you know, things that can be constructively criticised. And I just thought last night we were so naive. Um, and, and we showed that we are quite a way behind Man City in, in, you know, it, at this level. Um, and arguably, sort of, you know, we're ahead of where we should be. I'll expand a bit on some of those things in a minute, but I want to come back to you guys first of all and, and let's go back into the game itself yeah i think chris um it felt like we re- we regressed that's the way i put it yeah. if you think Good the performance we put out last night was a performance we used to put out 
against teams we happily beat. I think Brentford yep. last season. That was the Small. kind of performance we normally put in. So that's where I see the positive. We're beating Brentford this season. We're now the only team that we have lost our complete rhythm and didn't regain it with was arguably the best team in the league. Um, a team that if... I think if we'd, if we'd gone through the league and we'd batted away Man City, we'd have huge delusions of grandeur when it comes to the Champions League next season, thinking it'd be a cakewalk. Um, but it shows the level that this team is at. And when I don't feel like the entire team played the occasion, I think there was a number of critical players that did, though. Um, obviously, Thomas Partey was a huge miss but I don't think Jorginho had a bad game. I think he was one of the better players. No. Um, I think he was one of the better players in the sense of he still kept, he did all of the stuff that Partey does instead of the recycling. The thing he didn't do was calm Gabriel down. Gabriel seems to have, or at least when Partey's there, he can trust that if he's in trouble, he'll pass it, play it to Thomas Partey. He doesn't have that trust built with um with Jorginho yet and they don't have that connection so I think that's where he truly struggled and was one of those players that we see time and time again plays the occasion and I think it was almost certainly the reason why he didn't go to the World Cup with Brazil despite him possibly having one of the best seasons and arguably one of the best Brazilian centre-backs but because he's got that in his locker where I think he plays the occasion too many times and becomes that rash player, even though VAR got us out of a pickle with Erling Haaland, I don't think he needed to be in that situation at all. But he does that time and time again. He's again thinking back to centre-backs of yesteryear. Lauren Koscielny, superb centre-back, 85-90% of the season but then has 10% where he's just not at that right level. I think there are a number of players that overplayed the occasion. And I think we've got to include, as well as Gabriel, including Granit Xhaka in that one. There are a number of opportunities that I think against a lesser side, he plays through balls to Gabriel Martinelli. There were two opportunities where he was available on his own. And I think people were slating Martinelli for his performances recently. But there seems to be an issue where he's just not being fed. He's in great positions, opportunities mm. that he could get a shot away, but we're just not feeding him properly. Um, yeah, Saka had um, yeah superb ball through from Jorginho. Didn't make the best of it. But you know what? He buried the penalty. And that still tells me that he can be a big game player. And there are still pockets of players there that I think can do it. But they were let down on this occasion by relative senior players in the squad playing the occasion. Again, Sinchenko down at the left back. Um, superb player. And we definitely know he plays the occasion. If you've ever watched him play for Ukraine, the guy plays the occasion every single time. And 99 times at 100 gets him through the game. But not on this occasion because I think there was someone next to him also unable to calm him down. And... Uh, yeah, I also think with Richard Keyes, you say that um, I think the talk or the extra scrutiny on Arsenal at the moment had caused them to be a 
bit more wary, a bit less aggressive when it comes to, you know, we're talking about surrounding the referee, encouraging a decision to be made. Man City, if we were playing, say, for example, Saka at left back and Bernardo Silva was roasting him constantly, first tackle goes in. They're surrounding him, getting a yellow card, maybe by the second time. We have to wait for three or four fouls until that occurs. And there's still that bit of streetwiseness, I think, that needs to come from Arsenal. And again, I saw people moaning that no one helped Arteta out when he was mugging off De Bruyne. And De Bruyne started <laughs> to think, again, no, he's running over. That's the occasion. Mm. That's our players mm. actually not yeah. being the occasion. I don't think they're affected by the manager because another side completely loses their head. Um, but yeah, I think we've just felt like generally we were de- destabilised by Guardiola's team perfectly in that second half. Remember how mm. scrappy that 15 minutes after the half time was? No, it's just, just stoppage after stoppage, isn't it? And we didn't have that player that could put the foot on this ball and just go right and take back control of this. We just lost control of it. Mm. And that's what the best teams do. They just destabilise you. Same happened with uh, the Everton game. They did it in a different yeah. way. And they could punish us for us, whereas Everton, you know, were barely creating chances. But Carl, what did you reckon to to the game? And yeah, through some of the points, I, I think that yeah, Gabriel didn't have one of his better games, and I think you're absolutely right. He needs someone with him just to tell him just to chill. And the problem is, he's got you know Zinchenko, who let's face it, he's a hothead. So he's definitely not going to be anyone to tell them to calm down. You've got Saliba, who's very young and probably is not that experienced to tell, to speak to him that way. So you would have thought maybe Granite Jacques. And, you know, when pe- when players are very good, we, we praise and I think that's what we should do, definitely. But when players make mistakes, you know, sometimes we need to highlight them. And I think Gabriel last night made a mistake and he's got, like you said, he's got it in his locker. And... Maybe, maybe it's time for him to have a little rest. He's played nearly every game. I'm sure he's played nearly every single game we've had this season. Mm. Um, even the Europa League games, didn't he? Because he's the only left-footed one. But hopefully with uh, Kivior in, hopefully he'll get some games. Um, no, he's not going to play any games, is he? No, but you're thinking... But, you're hoping that Kivio's not only going to play a uh, Europa League game because that would leave him with, what, maybe only five games this season? Surely he didn't sign to play five games this season. Um, so you never know. It, it, if um, left centre-back is his position, he could play uh, midfield, we don't know. But i got a feeling that there are some league games that... Well, I'd like to know because Arteta doesn't like to change his team at all, does he? He... So we'll, we'll come on to I that. think I think that's a downfall <laughs> of his, but yeah, we'll we'll come on to that. But um, yeah, like Josh said, there were definitely times where we overplayed. Zinchenko didn't have a good game at all, and I felt like he was, you know, like when you get dumped by your girlfriend, and then you go out, and then you see your girlfriend at bowling with your new girlfriend, and you try to like be a little bit impressive. I felt like that's what he was trying to do. There was a number of times where he lost the ball. I remember he lost the ball right on the edge of our box trying to do some sort of drag back. And I was like, what are you doing? Like any other time, I'm sure 
you would launch it. But he was just, I think after a while, it was just a bit too casual and I didn't like that. So it look, felt like the, the, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, it felt like the nerves emanated out from the back. And it's whether or not it would destabilise by Partey not being there. Um, I think some players handled the occasion better than others, though. I think at some point we'll have to talk about Saliba's general performance, I think. Um, Doesn't that come on to, just just to expand on that point and the Gabrielle point, doesn't that come on to a bit of a mentality thing? Like, maybe we can can talk about the Arteta non-rotation here. There's clearly like a trust that he has in certain players. Like he clearly trusts to play Zinchenko no matter how. Personally, like I love Zinchenko, I really do. I think he's been awful for about three weeks. I think he's been absolutely terrible. Um, but because he because he's passionate and we love him, we sort of give him a pass. Kieran Tierney is probably sat there going, Well, hang on a minute. Like, and now don't get it wrong, I know I know Zinchenko offers us something different, but I genuinely think Zinchenko's been very poor, probably since that cup game where he got rattled by City then. There's this argument that the whole Martinelli thing of, oh, he's playing terribly, moronic, all right? People, I hate to hate to be that guy, but just watch football, people. Like, just watch the games. Don't just watch Match of the Day or YouTube or listen to brain-dead pundits. Actually watch the games. And as Josh said, his Martinelli's runs have been very good. He's still working his, his socks off. He's just going through a patch where he's not scoring every week, you know, like players go in and out of form. Look at what Rashford's doing now compared to what he was doing six months ago. It happens, right? Um, But there is this argument that I think Mikel needs to trust some of these other players to come in, you know, and I would have liked to have seen Trossard play last night, whether it had been for Martinelli or not, I would like to have seen him come in. I I did understand the Tomiyasu one because I think Ben White's another one who – Again, love him to bits, but he's been poor for at least a month now. Um, and there's, I think the centre back just is a harder one because I think Gabriel's actually been very good recently. And I think Saliba's been pretty consistent all season, although has maybe been a bit off of it. You know, the, again, the last month or so has gone down a little bit. And um, Dempsey made a really good point in the chat as well about uh, Haaland was very clever in this game because he was getting nothing out of Saliba. So he naturally then switched it second half and pulled on to Gabriel. And I think Gabriel. If if you I don't know if Martin Keown's available for coaching, but that's what you want Gabriel to be. You don't want to take that aggressive streak out of him. You don't want to take that ability to go and win the ball away from him, but he needs to channel that anger. He needs to be a bit more streetwise, you know, a few more digs in the ribs, a few more pinches of the nuts, that sort of thing. Wind up players, because Haaland was was getting properly pissed off you know, by basically being marked out of the game by Saliba. As soon as he switched, it all changed. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think that that there's a larger point there about the Arteta situation, you know, in terms of the rotation and, you know, players like Fabio Vieira, I think we've got a real gem on our hands there, but mm. we haven't got a gem on our hands if we're playing him for 15, 10 minutes at the end of games. He's not that type of player. He needs to play. Uh, and I'm not, and, uh, yeah, Granit Xhaka has been brilliant this season. He's running out of steam. You can literally see it, you know, he, his he, he looks physically drained. He's had a long season. He went to the World Cup. We've got to start rotating players. Um, speaking of do rotation... Think naive, do you think there's a naivety on Arteta? Because you're right. He does not... He doesn't drop Granit Xhaka. And this is a squad game. So you think... And I don't know if he said it jokingly, but do you remember when um, he was talking about 
Saka needing a rest. And he goes, yeah. the top professionals have to play 50, 60 yeah. games a season, which is bullshit. I'm sorry, it is. It's absolute bullshit. You it's cannot, sense, yeah. the top professional, you cannot play 50, 60 games a season. But I don't know if he was saying that, one, because he knew he had to play Saka every game because he had no one else to replace him, which still, he still doesn't at the moment. Or if he actually believes that, because surely as a professional himself, he doesn't believe that that um, even as young as 21 years old, Saka cannot play 50, 60 games a season. It's, it's impossible. Um, I, it's the no, David Moy. It's the David Moyes in him. We'll put it that way. It's as simple as that. If you, I think I mentioned it as soon as Arteta came into it. He is a hybrid. He is not Pep, mini Pep. He has got aspects of other former managers within him. And David Moyes will churn out the same starting eleven, irrespective. If a player goes injured and the player, another player comes in, the other player, irrespective of how good they were, say Jared Bowen goes out injured, misses four months or four, a couple of weeks, the player comes in, Jared Bowen doesn't come straight back in, irrespective of how good he is for that West Ham side. Again, I imagine the same would be for Declan Rice that if he's off injured for a bit, Dylan was so loyal to the starting eleven, And I think Arteta's taken that same bit. Because if I remember rightly, or right at the beginning of his tenure, when we the first uh, eighth position finish we had, I doesn't even know what his best starting eleven was. And would I prefer a manager that tinkered with the starting lineup every single week? Or would I prefer consistency from a winning or a well-performing side I think I take the latter nine times out of ten. Um, you would, yeah. but what if that winning team then stops winning? Because I know this is whole play them into form, but when playing them into form doesn't work. And again, you know, we played Everton, which was a, a, a freak game. Then we played um, Brentford, which again, VAR robbed us. And then we played the, arguably the best team in the world, which was Man City. So, um, you know, that's kind of hard. And like you said, we're away to Aston Villa, lunchtime kickoff, which let's face it, no one's uh, ever confident of those sort of games, but away to Villa, you know. So do you foresee him sticking with the quote-unquote starting eleven, or making a few changes? Because surely he must look at certain things and think, okay, my players have played three games in a week. They need rest, or do you think he is that, like you said, that David Moore sort of player, where, uh, David Moore sort of manager, where he's just going to be like, right, nope, this is my starting eleven. If you're tired, man up, we're going to go with this. I'd put it one way. I don't think the Man City game was the game that you rotate out players, irrespective. I think you go with your strongest eleven on paper, um, and I think we did. For Aston Villa, it's a different question. Having looked at. Um, one of the pieces the Athletic did last week on average player positions and looking at the uh, diagram from Villa where they're completely devoid of any players playing centrally. Uh, I think it's something we saw Arte- uh, Emery do basically at Arsenal. It was basically almost asset, asset, uh, asset strip our central midfield for creativity. If you think of all the players he got rid of under his tenure uh, or, try, you know, kind of, Meza O's was a different uh, different situation. Fundamentally, was also dropped as well. But we saw Santi, Ramsey, Wilshire. O's, it's a lot of creativity not replaced. Um, 
I'm expecting to see the same at Villa. There'll be a lot of room for creative players to do things there. And I wonder if that's an opportunity that you say, Granit Xhaka, this is an opportunity to rest you. And Fabio Vieira comes in from the start. That's probably the only change I'd make to the starting eleven, though. There's nothing else I'd look at tinkering. The only the other player is Eddie Nketiah, which I think we'll get to as well. The kid looks yeah, jaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not either. Yeah. No. It's, it, I suppose it's the other question of what's the appetite of doing something a little bit left field with our striker situation? Um, there's a guy who I saw towards the end of the year it, that's in our squad, play as a striker role against a team that is currently in the relegation zone and basically stink up the joint. So I don't think it's him. And it's the question of what are we ever going to put Martinelli back into the centre? Hmm. And that, well, let, let's let's go into that now because that's that's something else that really that really troubled me last night. Um, Eddie had probably two good chances, one in particular. Um, I think the header. I, I just don't think there's any excuse he has to score. Like for me, mm-hmm. as a centre forward, you just have to score that. But I'm not slagging the guy off because, again, I think he he's he's massively surpassed expectation for where he's where he's been this season. My concern is, um, and I hate to bring this back to the January window, but I can't avoid it. Um, we were people. We were on this podcast. People on Twitter. Everything. We were all obsessed with this with the Caicedo thing. Prior to that, the Douglas Luiz thing, the Mudrick thing. We we're all obsessing over a holding midfielder or a winger. And I I kept saying it, and I continue to keep saying it. We needed a backup centre-forward. We, we, but we did, Josh. We just did. No, sorry. And it's, I'm, it, not, I'm not shaking my head to that. I'm shaking my head to Demsec's comment because it was literally okay, the player I was just talking about who was awful we, against Southampton. We, we were going we were gonna to throw hands if you disagree with that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with yeah. you. But... You know, and, and look, I, I know there is the argument of, well, who would you get? You know, blah, blah, blah. It's, if you, you just, you have to get somebody. You have Can to I go the question and very get quickly, someone. The hypothetical question. Yeah. He started against Barcelona earlier this evening. He was very gettable. Veghorst. I mean, is a I mean when I say. Knit together, strike, knit together a, what, a lineup that we've got. When I say you've got to get somebody. <laughs> wouldn't go that far. He might be able to get on one of the um, crosses that went into orbit from uh, Zinchenko, who I think was trying <laughs> to take out Sputnik that he'd seen go overhead. Um, well, my, yeah. my my thought process my thought process is you know you, you've you've gone in you've got Jorginho right who and this is this is this is always the argument this is what people kept throwing at us in in january well you can't go out and buy a journeyman striker for only six months you know he was going to want to play blah 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 we've gone and got georgina on an 18 month contract we all know that at the end of the season there'll be a nice little piece on the arsenal.com website and he'll go his own way he'll probably go to mls or something so we know that's what's going to happen at the very you know very long shot he'll be with us for another year but that's it the, the, this argument that we, you know, we let two centre forwards go in in Aubameyang and Lacazette, both needed to be moved on. I'm not disputing that, but why on earth did we not have something in the background there? And for those people that are saying, oh, you know, we've got Balogun out on no, Balogun needed to be where he is. He's not in this conversation. He needed to go where he was. 
He's having a great time. No issue there. But there were other options that you could have gone and got in the January window that would have at least, you know, even if you went to and okay, forgive me, I'm going to go French because that's what I do. But someone like Andy Delors went from from uh, Nice to Nantes. Now he failed at Wigan, so I'm not saying he's the I'm not saying he's the wrong one. But a player like that would he'd, he'd fall over himself to come to Arsenal absolutely fall over himself and even if you said to him look you're only realistically going to get the bench and Europa games kind of what Everton did with Neil Malpoy now you know that hasn't worked out very well because A he's a cunt and B shit but that sort of player even that you you know the championship Josh I bet you mm. could name me four or five strikers not Chubrakpom who would probably do a decent job with Arsenal right now and I just They're, feel that yeah. We've missed that gap, you know. We, we miss that because now what we're doing, and and I think a few podcasts and we said this a few weeks ago, all of our eggs are in the Eddie and Ketia basket, and that's bad for three reasons: one, you're burning out the player; two, he can't afford to go on a streak where he isn't scoring the goals like he should have got the header last night; and three, you've got a player who knows he has no pressure; he's going to play no matter what, and and yeah. that. And Gabriel Jesus, even if he comes, I don't think we'll see him again this season for, for the record. I said that when he got injured, I'm standing by it. Even if we get him back in April, it's too late then because the title's probably gone by then if we carry on playing the way we are. I think Sorry, what I see from it is, um, yeah, no, I agree in terms of if Eddie isn't scoring, a bit like when Jesus wasn't scoring, you've got to rack up the assists. That's, the, mm. that's what you've got to do in that position. And I think we've shown that we've got firepower in the three behind the striker i mean they were our top scorers and i think they probably still are um in the first three positions that's where you don't need to bring in or as you say you can bring in a journeyman striker there even if it's just for six months that's not affecting balligan's loan how even 18 months isn't affecting what you're going to do with balligan it's just having an option there and even if it was somebody just to take 20 minutes here and there at the end of a game just to allow Eddie some time to freshen up because I think well we saw it that Eddie can score headers he scored those headers against top sides it was just something about last night that he couldn't and it's not down to performance yeah one was a bit out of time. We still saw he was still hungry to get into the right positions. But I think sometimes you've, as a manager, got to give the other side, the other team, different problems. That's why we brought in Trossard. He is a different mm. problem to Martinelli. And I think the Jorginho bit of business was an excellent piece of business for what we then wanted to achieve after... They probably listened to me. I don't think anyone listened to Andy Naylor. I think he was too busy crying or doing something weird. Um, that guy. When I'd said there is zero chance of Caicedo moving in this window and moved on to another option. And I think it was a mm. smart, safe option was um, getting Jorginho in. And we didn't do that for striker. Now, whether or not mm. it's because we spent too long barking up the wrong tree, I don't know. But um, look, at what, look, at what, yeah. look at what Man City have got in Alvarez. I mean, you know, you, you say in the words journeyman striker, and I've used those words as well. 
we didn't we didn't have to go that that route. We just needed to go somebody who was, you know, Yaya Sonogo, but not Yaya Sonogo. You could go down that route. Somebody who's young, you know, but offers a physical presence, something different. You know? Why have Cozy Jubri on the bench every single week if you're just not going to, you know? Mm. And I, I'm, I'm not saying that he's the answer. I'm not saying that at all. But what's the point in having him on the bench if there's absolutely no point, you know, not ever going to throw him on? With, with 20 minutes to go what what was the worst that could happen in that scenario and and it it speaks to the it, it's almost like we we however much we progressed and we have progressed we have to we have to keep the positives we have progressed massively we're way at, let's not forget we were started the season looking for top four we're still you know we're talking like we're being relegated we're still very much in this race but we, we're once again ripping a plaster off and putting another plaster over the top by going oh yeah but Martinelli could play at centre forward, but he's bloody never played centre forward for us in his life, realistically. Oh, Smith Rowe can play as a false knight. No, just get me a nine. You know, if I want opal fruits, I'm not going to buy fruit gums. Like, just get what you actually need and stop trying to force players to play different roles. You know, we bought Sinchenko to play as left back because he can play midfield. Just play him as a fucking left back. Like, you know, it, it's this obsession with trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, and that's what, what bothers me. Um, can I throw another subject at you, Carl? Because I wanted to pick up on something that came up in the chat, which was a while back. Now, um, um, he mentioned about the Saka thing. So I, I've got a, a view which might not be popular on this. But he, the, the rotational fouling thing, is is consistently kicked. Um, and it's ironic, actually, that Jack Grealish used to get this treatment when he was at Villa and now doesn't get it as much unless he plays at Spurs for Man City. But where do you stand on it? Because I love Saka more than, you know, more than most people and probably as much as you do. I think we're starting to get a little bit of um, whataboutery. I think we're starting to protest we doth protest too much on this one because he went down at one point yesterday when it was just wasn't a foul and i i feel like people i feel like referees are almost playing on the fact now that we moaned about it do you see it that way as well or do you think that how do we um two things chris you're breaking up a little bit um let's check your connection um oh sorry um, so I think we're getting to the point now. I don't ever want Saka to be like Greenish, where every single foul, every single time he gets tackled is a foul. You know, there are times then where you know he gets rotationally fouled. Yesterday was an absolute joke. So, how many times did uh Silva foul him? I think it was what, four fouls before he got um a yellow card. Then you saw the referee like say, That's your fourth one, and you're like. How many times you why do you need four fouls to get a yellow card? But we move. Um, does Saka go down easily sometimes? Yes, does Saka go down when he's tackled and doesn't get anything? Yes, where's the balance? There's no, there's no healthy balance, unfortunately. You know, and this is sadly just football. Jack Grealish will get tackled and he'll like just go down easily, he buys free kicks. That is one of his main roles in that Man City squad is to buy free kicks to go down easily to get the ball, drive, and when you feel contact, go down. That's 
I'm sure that's what happens in training. That's what he gets told to do. Get the ball and just run, run, run. And then as soon as you feel that contact, go down. So, you know, um, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm going to say protect Saka at all costs. That's what I'm going to do. Um, there are times when I do want him to stay on his feet, be a bit stronger. Yes, but he's 21 years old. It will be trained out of him. Look at, do you remember when Ronaldo first come to Man United and he used to go down like the wind, like the wind would blow him over. And then obviously, you know, I think Ferguson obviously got into him and said, you're good enough to go past players. Don't go down so easily. And he didn't. There was a time when, um, do you remember, I think, it, when did they win the title? Was it 07, 08? When he scored like 40-odd goals in the season, I can't remember. Like He was magnificent and he didn't go down easily that season. So, he, you know, he had a bit of tactical nous about him. He started to believe how good he was and hopefully that's what happened to, um, that's what will happen with Saka. So, you know, I'm just hoping that he will grow out of it. But, you know, he does get kicked a lot, Chris. He gets kicked so many times and... You know, I'm sure after a while, when you get kicked all the time, any kind of tackle feels that you're going to get fouled and you just go down because you possibly know that you're not going to get it. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, things like this will grow out of his game and he'll be a bit more protected because I think we need it because someone's going to do him a really bad injury one day and then people are then going to start. It's going to be too late. People are going to start saying, oh, what about protection? I still, I still go back to that Crystal Palace game. I think it was two seasons ago where I can't remember what player he just kicked him in the leg, and nothing happened. Not a single thing happened. So, yeah, he needs to man up. But again, sounds like a um, oxymoron. But he needs to be protected by the referees because if he does get injured by a horror tackle, I don't want to see another DRB uh, happen to him. So, yeah, that's what my thoughts are. I think the yeah. big thing with me for Saka, the protection we've brought in is that one-on-one coach, the guy mm. that is there to help them dribble past players. It's avoid the contact by being smarter, being more fleet of foot. Uh, that's how you get past them because the play, the defender's not going to get any quicker. They're not going to get better at tackling, uh, mm. especially as the better Saka gets. That was the difference with Ronaldo. It wasn't just that he stopped going over it was the fact he was then quicker to ride those challenges. And that's what we need from Saka. I think it's the same that we've noticed with Martinelli as well, that Martinelli's not going over, but he's also not being able to get past a man properly. That's where I think there is real criticism of his game right now is he's lost that ability. Now, whether or not it's because Jesus is missing, I think there was a real connection between those two where they were dragging defenders each way on, uh, each way of that to basically create space for each other and I feel like we won't see that change this season we might see it towards the end yeah we've still got a couple of months left of the season where you may see some of the things that they're learning in training on a one-to-one basis make it out onto the field but otherwise I think it is one that we'll see next season where suddenly the players are not I would say more skillful, but not in a showy-offy kind of way, just in there quicker with their feet. And that's where I think the real difference will be. And yeah, I don't expect us to get any additional protection. There will still be a player out there who will put in a terrible tackle at some point. And there's nothing we can do to mitigate that. You can't 
tell the opposing side not to tackle uh, yeah. in the same way you can't tell us to not tackle their really important star striker or vice versa. It's just going to happen. I mean, Neymar's got through his career extraordinarily well without breaking a leg. Uh, mm. So it can be done, but it's all about, I think, just being able to be quick of mind and quick of feet. I think I think that's I think that's the that you made a good point there about about Neymar because that that's actually one of the examples that I use in that when I say you know it's important that we distinguish between the two things here I'm not mm. saying that Saka's a diver I'm not saying that he's fate you know he is clearly targeted like I'm not disputing that and as an Arsenal fan I'm always going to say that we need more protection for our better players what I am saying though is that to use the case, Neymar's probably a bit high end of the spectrum because he's he's so bad at it. But some of the tackles Neymar takes are absolutely fucking horrendous. And the reason he throws himself around like no tomorrow is because he's trying to avoid the contact because players can't live with the level of skill he's got. Now, is he a bit of a bell end? Yes. Does he throw himself to the floor? Yes. Does he periodically wind up the opposition and therefore, you know, invite some of the contact? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean it's okay to smash him in the back of the Achilles or at knee height every, every week, which is what happens in France. So I think with Saka, I think you've almost just got to be, I think you've almost just, dare I say, it, you've got to be a bit more pep about it. Um, and, and when we mentioned about the difference in the managers last night, when the, when the camera cut to Pep on a couple of occasions last night, I, to me, it was really noticeable that there was two emotions that he had on his face last night. One was pure boredom. And the other was was uh, frustration, I felt like, you know. Mm-hmm. But he never looked like he didn't know what was coming. Like, he always looked very relaxed. Um, and aside from the fact he is still a massive, bold fraud, I just felt that he, you know, he, 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 he knows that that team that he puts on that field will win games. He just does. Mm. And ironically, I think if we do end up winning this title contrary to what all the media have been saying for the past two weeks because they've got to write a narrative, I don't think it will come down to these two games against Man City between mm-hmm. Arsenal and Man City because I think this Man City team... Did you see him against Villa last weekend, either of you? Yeah. They, they were 3-0. Uh, yeah. 3-0 up and absolutely cruising. And the second half, they were bloody abysmal. Villa could easily have got 3-3 three, three out of that. And that they're the sort of games I think Man City are liable to just... They go into pet mode where they're like, ah, that's fine, whatever. They just, you know, they sit in their seat like, yeah, whatever, football. And I think they're the sort of games that we might actually pull the points over them if we can get back on a winning run, of course. I'd like to also point out, look at the results they got from the equivalent fixtures in our last two games mm. as well. Yes, yep. they got an additional point from it. But look at the Everton side they played versus the Everton side we played. We played a Sean Dyche Everton side. They got a one all against Frank fucking Lampard. They and they were at home. As well? They did lose Southampton in the cup. Oh, yeah. Um, was, yeah. No. yeah. But uh, yeah, th- that City team isn't suddenly, I don't think, going to turn into that side that we've seen post Christmas in no. other seasons past, where suddenly they. Sp- go on a run of 17 straight wins that's not how this city is built and i think it was the maybe the first tweet i put out post game this title will come down to five points no more i can't be see it being much closer than that one way or the other there'll be less than 
two games in it. It all really will go down to that final game and um, the Premier League will bloody love it because it's scheduled pretty nicely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I just want to just reverse back to the little mini rant I had at the beginning. Carl, what would you make of this? Because you, you're of the three of us, you you go to more more games than the three of us. This this playing out from the back thing, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to go full Peter K on this of it, um, but would you would you quite like to see us just get the fuck rid of it sometimes? You know, this this obsession with, I, as I say, I'm all for playing out. I'm all for playing football. It's been so much nicer on the eye this season than when we first, you know, when, when Mikel first came in and we had that shambles of a squad, etc. But there were times last night where I, I almost felt like Mikel was so obsessed with saying, look, Pep, we can do this too. Ah, we can do this too. And I know it's got, some people have said, actually, no, it's brilliant that we we stick to our principles and we do this. I just felt last night we were just inviting pressure. I'm not saying lump it every time, but there is such thing as getting rid of it with a purpose. You can still hit the wings. You can still get out. You can still transition out. I just felt last night we're just massively overplaying it. And it's it's not going to cost us against Man City. Uh, sorry, it will cost us against Man City. It might cost us in other games as well if teams start to pick up on them. Yeah, I think Ramsdale made, I think, maybe two or three really big errors where he should have just hit it long and he kept sticking by this, I'm going to play it out, I'm going to play it out. Man City hit it long more times than we did. They just got rid of it. And I think against Man City, when they are a pressing machine, when we could not get out, there are certain times where you have to be wise and think, okay, I'm just going to get rid of this. And that just may be the naivety in the Arsenal squad. Again, like I was saying to you, there was this whole ethos of, play the Arsenal way, play our way, play our way. And I think that was stuck to a bit too rigidly. And there are times when Ramsdale had the ball and he put the ball down and he wanted to pass the ball to Gabriel. And like we said, Gabriel didn't have the best of games. And he's passing to Zinchenko. Zinchenko would do a stupidness on the box. And then Man City would press and get the ball back. It happened maybe two or three times. And for me... You know, there needs to be some, but there was no, I don't, I feel like there's no, apart from Granite Xhaka, I feel like there was, should have been someone on the pitch, and even if my own guy should have done this, just to say, hit it long, hit it long, but it wasn't. He was just stuck to putting the ball on the ground and playing it out, trying to play it out, trying to play it out. And it didn't work because, like you said, man, um, it will cost us more times. Man City are one of the best pressing teams. They just literally hunt you down, and it happened a few times yesterday, and I just feel like Ramsdale should take the initiative at certain times, just think, no, fuck it, and we're going to go long, we're going to go long. Because I understand why it's the ethos of keep the ball, keep the ball, because you never know. And, you know, when we do do these um, playing out from the back and then we end up getting a shot off or goal, like, it looks good. It looks brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. But we have to think to ourselves, how many times did that actually happen? How many times do we play out from the back and it ends in a goal or a shot on target? Mm-hmm. I would say not that many. Um, so, you have how to many times t- don't we concede? That's the other thing is we've kept possession doing. Yeah, that. you have to. You have and to balance it too. Yeah, yeah. That's where I say I am all for us playing out from the back. To invite pressure by doing it is literally the point of playing out from the back. It's not 
to keep possession is to invite the pressure, to drag the team out from its defensive line and then knock it through them. And yeah, mm. last night we weren't as good as it as we normally were. But I don't think it was the interchanging of passing that was the problem. It was the decision-making that we were making whilst doing that. And that's where I think where there are opportunities to knock it up the line, some players didn't take that. But we're talking one or two decisions within an entire 90 minutes. I think generally it would have been naive and stupid of us to continue knocking the ball long because we literally don't have any options up there. No. If we just hit it long, it goes into Rodri, Diaz, uh, Walker and Ake. They were playing at the back. Eddie and is not winning a header. Shaq is not winning the header. Saka's not winning the header. Martinez not hitting the header. And then it's gone straight back to Man City, who we know could play through anybody. I hear what you're saying, but we don't always need to hit it long straight up there. We could have that, hit it into midfield to yeah. Martin Odegaard. We could have hit it into yeah. midfield to Granite Xhaka. Like the, but um, that's the way City had set Ramsdale, up. Is Ramsdale is very good at hitting those straight balls. Yeah, and I feel like he could have done those, and we didn't do, do those. You know, the, you know the player no. he hits those balls into. It's Thomas Partey. Yeah, and he agreed. wasn't there. That's the issue: is that we haven't got a player of that skill set he could do that with. I think My... I'm, I'm lucky enough to watch a team that is always play out from the back, irrespective. I've never seen a long ball be played at Brighton at all. But isn't 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 that? I think that's what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. I think you you've hit the nail on the head there. The word always. That that's the issue I have with it. I, I'm not saying, you know, we go back to Tony Adams and Martin Keown and and Steve Bold and just well, you know, Wally. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are times and places, and it was and for me last night, the mistakes, the mistake Tommy Asu makes. Okay, it, you know, it, it can happen to anyone, but it came because he was under pressure with no option to hit. And he under hits a back pass. The mistake that leads to the penalty, which isn't a penalty, again comes because a player is so obsessed with trying to play it five yards into midfield rather than getting rid of it when he's, you know, when he's literally receiving pressure. That's what causes that. Arguably, even the Grealish goal, it comes from a misplaced pass when it could have gone at least wide or out of the area of the central column of the pitch. I'm not saying that, as I say, I'm not saying we need to go back to 1975 and just welly it into the mud. I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, I've watched Real Madrid do this. I've watched Barcelona do this in their heyday. You know, I've watched some of the greatest teams, even the Invincibles did it at times. There are times and places where you quote unquote hit the lines. I've even seen, um, I've even seen Man City do this in the past. Well, I think it's under Mancini more, to be fair, probably more of the Italian approach, but where they would actually kick for touch just because it, it, it you know, the game is dead. There's a throw-in. You you can get back into transition. I'm not saying abandon the principles. I love the fact that we're we're willing to play it out. I love the fact that we're willing to, you know, to entertain because that is what football is. It's a sport, of course it is, and it's an entertainment, of course it is. But there are times and places at every level, not just Sunday League, where you do need to get it out of that area or you do need to relieve your defenders because ultimately your four defenders are are your least technical in theory, of your starting eleven, I get that. I think where, rather than knocking it up, the thing that we are missing is switching it. Mm. That's where I think the yeah. problem is. It's the diagonal. Mm. And there was probably not asking Tommy Arsley to do it in that position. I think 99 times out of 100, he gets a proper connection with that back pass and it's a 
non-issue. Mm. Um, and it just continues and recycles. But I think there's definitely opportunities that um, you know, Zinchenko and Gabriel, when they're messing around with it for the uh, Grealish goal, mm. there is an opportunity to just ping that out at some point. It might not be the best pass and you turn over possession, but you turn over, I suppose what we're saying is turning over possession in a better place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even just knocking it into that midfield, you would hope that someone would start challenging for it. Now, maybe that's because we're missing the aerial presence of Thomas Partey. Again, mm. not a problem about Jorginho, that he's not, unfortunately, six foot two or whatever, and built to be quite good in an aerial battle. But I think that certainly hindered the team that they didn't feel like, oh, sorry, they felt like they had to make another decision before they processed what they were doing. Every time they were never quite happy with what was going on in the central midfield because it wasn't the norm to them, which is obviously the bad side of playing a team constantly having that same starting 11 is when you put one new thing in it. Everybody who's mm. used to it suddenly goes, Oh, what the fuck What's this? Who's this guy in there? Yeah. Uh, uh, but we I will... would say be better than having Sambi in there. That's, that's well, yeah, <laughs> I do agree with that. Have, yeah. And we'll we'll maybe lift the stone, Mark Thomas Party in a quiet week because I feel like that's probably you know another debate for another day, which we will we'll deal with. Um, if we look at this as a whole, then uh, again, like I say, my my overall feeling after last night was there was a sense of inevitability about it. I'm not going to lie, there just was. Um, I I would have taken a draw when we were at one one. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I would have. Um, weirdly, I still think that we can go up there and beat them in a few weeks. I do. I, I don't know why, but I feel like we can. Uh, we could also just go up there and lose 5-0. You, you just never know. Um, but And I think it's the week they have Champions League as well, which might be a small benefit to us. It's a midweek. I had a look. I thought it was Champions League, but it's not. It's a Wednesday night. Oh, okay. Is uh, it between the two o'clock. legs, though, or is it after? It is between two Premier yeah. League fixtures. Um, oh, okay. But who knows what might come in and move it. Um, mm. It's probably going to be a rail strike, Carl can tell us. Uh, yeah. We just need another Royal to, to, to snuff it and then we can extend the season. Mm. By. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I'm joking before we get cancelled. Um, yeah, so so I, I my general overall feeling last night was, maybe I'll just ask you, ask you, ask you to this as a separate question, but like, where do you feel like 24 hours later? Because I, I personally feel, and I know it's very easy to say this, but I've stuck by it and I'll continue to stick by it. I still, I wanted to believe, I really did. And I still want to believe, but I can't shake this feeling that we are going to come up short ultimately this season. And last night sort of just told me that, yes, we are, we're way ahead of schedule. We've done brilliantly well, but it felt like that, dare I say, pendulum swing. And I feel now that we'll come on to Villa in a second, but we have to snap this, this this down streak quickly. Otherwise, this season has got the feeling of what happened last season about it again, which we have to address pretty quickly. Do you both feel the same way? I'll, Carl, I'll start with you. I've never thought we was going to win the title in the first place. Like I've never mm. thought this, even when we was points and points ahead. And it's just not the, the pessimist in me. It's just the realist in me. I feel... Like you it's said, the hope that kills. Yeah, I just feel like we were we were ahead 
of where we are and we was always going to have a blip and the problem with Arsenal blips is that they last their Arsenal blips never just be a one game blip it's always one two three games and it's the mentality and I feel like I don't know why but something in me says that when we have these blips Mikel Arteta trains them harder Mm. because he doesn't know how to handle these blips so I think the only way he knows how to do it is more training sessions. Like I just feel that's what I feel like. Maybe it doesn't happen, but I feel like they're probably doing double sessions or overcompensating, or he's been more micromanaging. Like when you do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, and making him feel nervous. And um, until he, I think he's got to rotate for Villa. Like we will talk about Villa in a second, but I think he's got to rotate. He can't just keep sticking. To what he know to to this quote unquote first eleven, um, he's got to do something, and because we're in a rut at the moment, and that's what's happening. We're in a rut, and we have to find some way to get out that rut. Um, and once we do, I'm sure we'll be okay. But right now, the way that we are, the way that we're playing is. Another team last night. If we played against a different team last night, the way we played, especially in that first half. Would we have beat them? I would probably say yes, because like I said, we we outplayed arguably the best team in the world, quote unquote. You know, mm. um, we were we were brilliant against them. Didn't, didn't they have something like thirty four percent possession? Like from when Man City, from when Arsenal can have Man City time wasting from the twenty fifth minute, that just <laughs> shows you just how good we were yesterday. Um, mm. And that's another thing that's oh, it pisses me off. This time wasting thing, just an absolute joke. And the Premier League have got to do something about it. Like, where, uh, where did the where did the six second goalkeepers out of there out the getting rid of? What's that ever? Was that ever? Where did that rule go? That went. Well, no, it, it was, was, that, was that ever a rule? Was it, yeah, it was, was it not for a rule? season. It oh, was, was it only a season? And it went again. Because mm. what I don't uh, understand, and sorry to sorry to sort of go off track again, but what I don't understand with these rules is. Because we saw, uh, was it Grealish was booked for dissent last night? You, you mm-hmm. very rarely see this yeah. in the modern game. And and I've said this for years, all the way back to like grassroots level. If you just book somebody or worse still, send somebody off, it just stops it. Like it stops every team doing it. And if if you, you know, we can go all the way back to Chris Kirkland and, and Henri all the way back in those days. Um, for dissent, you can go back to players like Rooney, who you know you could see him on camera calling the ref a FNC and whatever. It only takes a strong referee, and we will touch on referees in a second. Um, but you just say no more. That's it. You bring out a guideline. You say, look, if you are, we're not going to be petulant and time your goal kicks, but if you are noticeably holding up the play. You'll be booked, and if you get if you do it again, you'll be sent off. I don't care if it's and th- this is the other thing that cheeses me off. Why is it Bernardo Silva case last night? Why is it that if a player fouls somebody after three seconds and it's a bad foul, book them? This bollocks of oh yeah, but it's early. Don't ruin the no. If if you foul somebody, it doesn't matter if they make two horrendous fouls in the first five minutes. If somebody removes somebody's leg in the first thirty seconds, they get sent off. That's it. Like this whole, we've got to keep it competitive. No, if if a team is consistently shit housing, and and once again we saw it last night. You know, both to be fair, both Arsenal and Man City at times surrounding referees. Just book every single one of them. It's not hard. 
you know, don't do what we did with Lamina last weekend, which was just moronic, by the way. But you know what I mean? It's like nip it in the bud, and especially with this time wasting, because it's happening more and more and more. We're seeing it at the Emirates a lot, but it's happening more and more at different games I'm watching across the continent where players just you can see what they're doing, you know. Head injuries going, as well. When I'm just going to say. Touching head their head. That's the new one. No, that eats up. So everyone does it. Every yep. single team yep. does it. That yep. they know that's going to eat up a minimum yep. of two minutes, um, especially when they're doing that fake, moving their head around, going yeah. up and down. And you can tell the physio is just saying, yeah, just stay down, just stay down. My my favourite is when they do this. Like with their jaw, and it's like, oh, fuck off, come on. Like, it's, it's such a load of bother. Yeah, you can just tell the physio is just staying, saying, stay down, stay down, move your head. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And the referee's coming over and saying, oh, can we get... And the referee can't hurry them up because they yeah. need to be sure that this person doesn't have an injury, which we all know they don't, but what can you do? I, I enjoyed one last week. I was watching the Birmingham-West uh, Brom game, and... Um, I think it was West Brom's, I think it's Furlong, the, the right back. And he went down like, so if the post is here, he, he took quite a heavy tackle from Austin Trusty, ironically. And he hit the deck off the pitch and then rolled back onto the pitch. It was we just did like, that yesterday as dude, well. I didn't see that. I must Saka I did it that. yesterday. Um, yeah. Saka, when he got fouled and went off the pitch, you can see whoever's at right, I think it's Odegaard, just mm-hmm. shouts at him, get back on the fucking on the pitch, pitch before you go down. Uh, yeah. And we saw it again from Ramsdale as well. Yeah. Do you think Ramsdale yeah. really had a sore heel? No. When we had a dangerous free, a dangerous throw in there, we just take quickly. Breaking yeah. up momentum, isn't it? It's breaking it? Yeah. up momentum. We were both at it. And yeah. yeah, someone's got to come in and stamp it out. But um, yeah. as I say, you probably want to know how I feel after the game. Yeah, well, uh, give us give us this give us this uh, this Josh optimism. So you're still uh, confident well, that we're winning the league. <laughs> I would say I am not doom and gloom. I am apathetic about it. That's what I really kind of see is that I'm not that concerned. Yeah, we lost. We're still in a pretty strong uh, position. We're by no means out of the title race that it sounds like some people have gone gone to. Um, I mean, I hope they've put netting up around Putney Bridge because there's some people who I think would just be there, were there last night. Um, not one of them, by based the way. on the result. No, it's too far for you to travel. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they put some rigging below the the uh, plank, though. Uh, they did, <laughs> but it was. I'm not at that level. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Um, certainly not out of the title race, as you say, Chris. City might go on a run of four or five games, and they'll get they'll win five games in a row. But I could still see them dropping points towards the end of the season. They've by mm. no means got an easy run. Uh, they've still got to play everyone else in the top four. I'm pretty sure they've got to go away to Brighton as well. Um, that's still to come up. We've got Brighton at home, um, which you've shown can, can be a dangerous fixture. Um, Brighton away is obviously a little bit easier. Um, there's definitely some options that I can see it's not so, yeah, it's not the end of our season by any means. When I came into the season, I was happy for us to be challenged at top four. We need to get top four sewn up as as soon as possible. If it results in us having a title race, then that is a bonus. To be honest, I'm still going to sit on the other side of which trophy would I rather have this season? And it's Europa League 
I would mm. rather we won the Europa League. Um, happy for us to be in the title race, obviously. And if we're in the position where we could be winning the league, I think we still need to be putting eggs into the Europa League because, one, Arsenal Football Club, to put it bluntly, of a club of our size, we've got a shit European record. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be good to get a European trophy. Secondly, if we don't win the title and we finish second, we don't get that nice Europa League group, uh, sorry, Champions League group, finish second. We're in pot mm. two at that point. If we win the Europa League, we go into pot one. Now you want to have a look at the uh, the draw that pot one Europa League winners got this, uh, this Champions mm. League. It was Frankfurt and they got Spurs, Sporting Lisbon and Marseille. Much prefer that than the team that mm. finished second in the league last year who ended up with, um, was Liverpool end up with? Was it Bayern Munich? They ended yeah. up with some horrific group, didn't they? Milan. Was it Milan? I think it was Milan, wasn't it? Yeah. Milan. Oh, uh, no, it was Napoli. They Napoli, them. that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Napoli was the new one. And you know that we're getting the winner of Barcelona and Man United, don't you? You just know that that's what we're going to get. <laughs> you know it's coming, yeah. don't you? You just you oh. know that's what we're going to get. I'll take it. I'll take mm. it. I think we've shown... Both those teams can would, yeah. I think Man United would be the more difficult one. Put it that way. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. I'd rather play Barcelona. Yeah, the way they defended tonight, anyway. Yeah, uh, I think we've still got to do it anyway. Still got to go through and uh, beat the teams that put in front of us. But I trust us over two legs against Man United as well. Um, mm. I think it's just an opportunity for us. Um, to really go far in the Europa League and I don't want us to throw that away as well um, yeah. so yeah I'm still positive we're still in two two win- runs for a trophy and I think that's all we'd really ask for in February irrespective of which trophies they were I think we'd mm. still want to be in the hunt for two by the end of the season and we, and we should say like you know as I said at this point like all jokes aside, you know, we, it might have taken a, a negative undertone today, but I think any of our loyal listeners who, by the way, if you're watching, hit subscribe, flick the bell, give us a like. Thank you very much. Uh, and if you're not, do it anyway. Um, I think I think people would think we were a bit weird if we came on tonight and went, so we lost about City. Woo! Like, <laughs> you know, like you, you're going to feel a bit down. And, and I know a few people like, question my tweet last night and said well why we weren't that bad and i genuinely thought we were i really did and i and I, th- I think sometimes we can go a bit too far one direction to the other we can be you know massively over the top about how good we are and we can be massively negative as well and i think that i think we just need to be a bit level-headed a bit stable and the one thing that those who get to games every week you know keep doing what you're doing like let's keep getting behind the team where we concede or whatever. There's, there has been some nervous energy in these past few weeks, but the crowd have stayed with us and we need that to be the case. And I know that, and I know the manager keeps, keeps mentioning it. I know the social media team are quite hot on how good the crowd are and these videos are putting out stuff. You know, I'm all for it. Let's keep that positivity. Um, but the facts are the facts. We are playing a team who <clears throat> allegedly um, have, corrupted this league for the longest time and to overcome that is going to be very very difficult and if we don't you know we go again next season but we've got a lot to fight for this season and there's there's a long time to go before we um talk about villa which we will do uh carl you wanted to have a moment just to address the the vast stuff um 
I'll, I'll just let you talk here because I personally feel like the decision was a fucking joke. Like, let's be honest, this is the Brentford decision, of course. But it speaks to a wider thing, doesn't it, of how an apology, as Mikhail Sata put it, is not going to get us the two points that we probably, we have to say probably, because we still could have conceded, you know, let's not say we'd won that game. But that that apology means fuck all, does it, if somebody can't do their job properly. And I think if you didn't do your job properly tomorrow, you'd probably be, uh, you know, under scrutiny more than the uh, the PGMOL have been under scrutiny this week. Yeah, I'm not going to go deep into this because I think everyone's had their say and everyone's done what they've done. But I just think that people make mistakes and it is what it is. Do you know when it, um, everyone makes mistakes? You know, um, footballers make mistakes and cost, you know, games and things like that. So I don't want to go too hard, but it's just, it's game after, it just, it feels like game after game. And I understand that it happens to every team. Arsenal are not exclusive to referees fucking up against them. It's not an Arsenal thing. It is a, an every every team can go through a games and look at a friend and say, this happened to us, this game and this game and this game and this game. We obviously talk about Arsenal because we support Arsenal and we feel it loyal to us. And I just feel like there's so many, you know, you can look at, or just remember so many occasions where it's fucked us. You know, the... Um, I remember Callum Chambers, I think it was against um, Crystal Palace where he, he should have scored and they ruled it out to say Callum Chambers got kicked and they said that Callum Chambers kicked the player and we didn't get the um, the goal. And it's just that. And you can think of um, Louise against um, Wolves where they said yeah. that he tripped him up um, deliberately when he's running and he makes no movement to trip him up. Like, there's just... The occasions, uh, Granite Jacket being sent off for for the reasons Odegaard against Man City two seasons ago, where last season where we should have beat them, we've got a penalty. Just like, when does it end? And VAR was brought in to help referees. And like Mikel said, this is literally your job as a VR referee is literally to draw the lines to see if it's offside or not. And you don't do that. And he's not the only one in the room. There are other people in the room. So no one in that room said, oh, by the way, Lee Mason, you haven't drawn the lines. Nobody did that. See, one one person forgets to do it, human error. If two people forget to do it, and I'm not going to... I said it's either corruption or incompetence. And I think there is no in-between there. I really don't. Because these errors are just getting silly now. And it's not going to be the last error that Arsenal have this season. I, I I assure you, it will not be the last error that it has. And it will not be the last error that any other team in the Premier League will have. They will, Every team will have a, an issue with VAR this season. Um, it's just not going to end. So us moaning about it, it, it is what it is. But we're not going to get those two points back from Brentford that we potentially should have got. I just feel like the referees... People say that referees get a hard time. I don't. They are professional referees. This is their full-time job. Their full-time job is to referee football games. And the fact that they get it wrong so often, something's got to happen. And Howard was meant to come in and be revolutionary and look at it. I think it's good that he came out straight away and said, yep, we made a mistake. We're sorry. That is good because back in the day, that would never have happened. It would have been hush, hush, closed. Um... And no it's one would have been none the wiser. Yeah, so I, I get that. But 
an apology doesn't get back your three points. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's the only thing I want to say about it. Yeah. I would I would add that um, just, Carway, you were saying that you don't think referees are harshly treated. I would say that is correct for all of the ones that are full-time professional referees. Mm. The, the people that are at the grassroots level, Oh yeah, they are, they're, yeah. Liter- they're literally dealing with the same shit that you're dealing with in terms of the mm. conditions and the dressing rooms and all of that stuff. You're all down at that level. You're all of a standard. Um, opposite referees got to start somewhere. Again, kids start in non-league and eventually make Premier League. Um, at some point, you're going to have to do your time down in down in you know a poorer league where you're not going to have all of the technology that you see on the screen. So I think there's definitely a issue down at grassroots. And maybe it's only white guys from Manchester, that, also greater <laughs> Manchester, that can get through that. They can get through that difficulty and really make it to the elite level. And mm. yeah, occasionally you'll see one from Bristol that will slide through and the occasional guy from uh, Northumberland. Um, so I think there's a couple there as well. But yeah, um, Carl, is there is that, a problem uh... with London? Are you all too weak-willed to uh, really? I don't make know. It maybe that level. Maybe because London's too multicultural. Like I think, <laughs> in a country of sixty-six million people in this country, um, and of those sixty-six million, let's just say that what ten, twenty million like football, and of those ten million, let's just say one percent of that ten million people want to become referees. And I've got one percent of people who want to become referees. Not one of them. Not one of them is non-white. Now, I'm not making this a black and white thing because it is what it is, and I don't believe that Premier League really care about um, diversity. But it stands to say that the Premier League is made up of people that play football from all around the world. All around the world, you know, you got South Americans, you got Europeans, you got Africans, that you got. Asian people playing the game of football, which we all love. Everyone's got their favourite player. And I can't believe that all every single referee is between 35 and 50, all white, all from the north. At a certain time, someone's got to look at that and think, something is wrong there. Something is not right. You know, I think the last black referee we're speaking, I think we spoke about this a while ago, was Uriah Rennie. Uriah Rennie, yeah. Who, and that who was like posed... 25 years ago. He that's posed for modelling pictures, didn't he, and stuff. He, he fancied himself a bit, didn't he? Yeah, it's, that's shocking that how long ago it was. And since then, there hasn't been not even one non-white referee and every single mm. other and one female, Sean Massey. Like, there's only been one female. And at a certain time... You have to look at it and think to yourself, what is happening? What are they doing to, like you said, about grassroots people coming through? What are they doing to encourage people from ethnic backgrounds to become a referee? What are they doing to encourage more women to referee in the men's game? Um it's just it's just a very weird situation, and and it's so bad at grassroots level now that they're actually trialing referees with body cams because of the abuse that they're getting, which is absolutely mental. I mean, I've witnessed it firsthand at, when I was managing at grassroots level. It's 
it, you know, some of the abuse they take, and don't get me wrong, I've thrown a bit of abuse out, verbal abuse, I might add. Um, you know, and, and in the heat of the moment, you do say things you regret, but I've, I have seen players put hands on referees. I've seen players chase referees out of car parks. One of the, one of the ones I vividly remember was a referee coming into a pub like an hour after a game had finished where the two teams were. And one of the, I think it was a striker of the opposition. It wasn't a game I was playing in, I should add. Um, and he, he literally chased the referee out of the pub. He's like, you're not fucking drinking here, you scumbag. This, it's just like, you're not embarrassed how you like look at the state of you treating people like that. But yeah, I, I do think there is a problem with it. And and the only other thing I've noticed recently as well, um, and I'm in no shape to talk, I'm just going to put that out there, but these referees that referee in the Premier League, correct me if I'm wrong, they are all full-time on a salary, right? So this is their one and only job. They have their um, own um, they're in elite sports fitness as well. Um, but yeah. the point I think you're going to get onto, Chris, is they look like they're still enjoying lockdown. Yes, I, yes, <laughs> yes. That's exactly where I'm going with this because my, Michael Oliver has always been in fairly decent shape. And I seem to remember, was it Clattenburg, the one who's retired now? I think he was always in fairly good nick. Oh, the one that um, got chased out of Saudi Arabia. That's the one, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and Howard Webb himself, he was an ex-couple, wasn't he? So he was in good shape. But there's a few that you look at and you go, fucking hell, there's a bit of timber. And you do notice, like, you know, all the Premier League players, uh, you know, they're all, they've all got these sort of shirts now that cling to them. And and there's there's a clear, you know, clear felt look to all of them. And I just think, like, if this is your job, you know, if, if I was a gym instructor, I wouldn't have a little bit of extra around the tummy. Do you know what I mean? The, so I just don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I'd have to say the fittest looking referee in terms of a purely on a, uh, athletic rather than aesthetic <laughs> point of view um, would have to be um, Kieran Trippier um, if anybody's watched a Newcastle game recently yes, uh, especially when um, oh, David Coote there's the other one as well um, Jared what's his face That's the oh Jared thing. Gillett the Australian they're Jared. all um, oh, they're all just wet lettuce aren't they mm. fucking mm. hell that's that's one of the issues as well is that not only are the ones that aren't from greater Manchester. Um, yeah. not got many from greater Manchester is the ones that aren't from there are just, they've got no backbone. They've got nothing to them. They mm. will get played through a game mm. quite easily. And in theory, you've got an independent adjudicator in their ear. I think that's mm. the point of VAR, isn't it? Just go, hang on, mate. Trippier's, tri- uh, you know, telling you porkies, turn the fuck mm. off. Yeah, to go back onto the right, goes back to the right back. It's yeah, it's and even even really lines odd. linesmen, if we're allowed to call them that anymore, I don't know in this woke world we live in. But um, the amount of times where you'll see like you know a, a linesman give a flag the wrong way, and you'll see it like on the Sky coverage, and they 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 do this thing where they look stoically into the distance and they refuse <laughs> to make eye contact with the player, mm. like. They're just staring, and the players in their face go, "You fucking this, you fucking that." You, I'd be like, I, I would literally be like, "Sorry, what? I've given the throw in. Now fuck off." <laughs> I wouldn't have any of it. It does make me laugh, but um, anyway, let's go on to Villa um, because uh, I don't want to do this to death because we have got some questions I want to get to as well. So, just just a brief couple of minutes from you both. My personal feeling is this is the worst possible game to be going into. We're going away from home to an Unai Emery team that is pretty much on the up, certainly is where their season is going. 
it's a 12.30 on a Sunday, which just on a Saturday, sorry, which screams pain. Um, <laughs> what we basically need to do is go and do what we did against Villa. Was it uh, was it a lunchtime kickoff when we won there last season? I think it was. I think it was. Sorry, last lunchtime kickoff we had was Everton. I mean, last season when we went to Villa. Oh, sorry. We, we won 1 0, didn't yeah. we? With a, was it an own yeah. goal or something? I think it was a really scrappy. I think the difference game. was, though, they had a PE teacher in charge. Well, that, yeah, that, that did help. Um, <laughs> but for, for all the, for all the, you know, um, somewhat xenophobic abuse that, you know, Henry took, which I shouldn't laugh at, it was a bit disrespectful, but he's a very good manager. Um, I think any, any Arsenal fan, even if they didn't warm to him, would admit he's a very tactically astute manager. Um, and he will know all about Mikel Arteta, funnily enough, because the two of them know each other very well. Uh, let's start with you then, Josh. A couple of minutes. Like, what, what do you, you know, what do you foresee? And here's the question: First goal, we have to get the first goal in a game, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm expecting a fast start from us. Uh, I don't think we've really seen it properly from when we've got games against teams that. Um, should we say, are more um, defensively uh, minded, should we say. Uh, I think we've really got to go at them hard. And as I think Danny was putting the stats in there, we've got one goal from open play in our last four. Four So it's a um, a stat we really need to to sort out. uh, yeah, perhaps there is an opportunity for a little bit of rotation, but I do also trust that starting eleven it is a good enough starting eleven to be beating, um, beating Villa. We've also then got um, a week's rest as well between fixtures. So again, completely anticipate that Arteta will maintain that there's enough time for this side to recover. So Eddie will probably start. Um, I. Still would be surprised if Trossard started. Same goes for Fabio Vieira as well. I think there's so much trust in this side. It's almost certainly just going to be the same starting eleven. Maybe Ben White comes in for Tomiyasu. I think there was obviously a tactical reason why Tomiyasu started. Not necessarily down to form. Um, I don't think we need to be worried too much about an aerial presence on the flank that we uh, needed to be uh, for City. So yeah, um, what I do think will happen though, if we're on our game, we could blow this Villa side away. Uh, I don't think they are, I kind of put it, if we get the first goal and they have to come and attack us, that'll be it. Same as the Everton game almost. If we score first, gaps start appearing and we pick off that side. It's exactly the same for Villa. You saw, um, if you did watch City game, um, when they played them, as Chris mentioned, picked them apart in the first first half, and then in theory almost cruised to victory. Uh, I think we can do something similar, but I'd expect us to actually continue playing for longer than forty five minutes. Um, so yeah, I I think I'm, I still think there's going to be a positive result here. Uh, it might be tricky. It might fundamentally end up being ugly, but I think that's all we need right now. It doesn't matter how it comes, but I think there is an opportunity here to really make a statement win. Mm, agreed. Um, Carl, 4-4-2, get it launched to the big man, one, win 1-0 one away. Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> Who's going to play up front with Eddie? <laughs> 4-4-2, um, we don't... 
Well, we're bringing, we're bringing back Yaya Sonogo, like I say, uh, who's Rob actually just signed for a club in, in Armenia, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, um, no, uh, yeah. What as I feel saying this, I agree with Josh. Um, <laughs> I think we, we, we will largely see the same team again. Ben White comes in for Tomiyasu. Um, if they were to make a, a another change, maybe, maybe Sinchenko comes in for Tierney. Does his game sort of suit? Kieran Tierney, who knows? Um, I'm not too sure, but I, I think Josh is right. I think we will, we will 100% largely see exactly the same team that we saw against Man City, uh, barring one change. I don't see him changing it um, quickly. I think we do need to score the first goal, and I think gaps start opening up. If we can get a 1-2-0 lead, even at half-time, then that gives you a chance to take off Granite Xhaka, in the 60th minute mark, bring on Fabio, Fabio Vieira. Um, I don't envisage Thomas Partey being back because they said he's got some sort of muscular injury. And I think the turnaround, if he didn't make Man City on a Wednesday, I don't think he's going to make Vida away on a Saturday. No. Definitely not. Maybe, just maybe, um, Smith Rowe might come in to be a sub. Because I know he was close. Maybe Reese Nelson as well comes in to be a sub. Yeah, he's um, he back on the bench last night, wasn't he, Nelson? I think. Yeah. So he was. Yeah. So there you go. He may get may get a couple of minutes uh, for Saka on the right. Because again, Saka can't play every single game uh, for every single minute. He just it just can't. So hmm. hopefully that happens. But yeah, I don't see any uh, major changes against Aston Villa. I would like to see some changes, but I just don't see it happening. Mm, okay. Um, I agree with you both. I think first goal is key. Um, I think, um, let's not forget, we have to deal with uh, the artist formerly known as Emmy Martinez as well. So that'll be fun for us all. Um, and we'll also have to deal with Tyrone Mings uh, kicking three bells of shit out of every single of our players and pleading the ignorance at every opportunity. He's so. so shit. He's so bad, isn't he? How that which, guy made him. Which, uh, which player are you talking about? Our former goalkeeper or Tyrone Mings? Uh, Both. I just want to be absolutely uh, well, exactly. I, I, t- t- to be fair, Martinez is a good keeper. He's just a massive shithouse. But, um, is he, is he yeah. a good keeper, really? I, th- I think he is. I, he was for I, us. Yeah, he I, was I, for us. I can't say. I mean, he's in a good he's, he's right. made he's made a few errors, but then what goalkeeper mm. hasn't? Let's be honest. No, he's know. made quite a few fair errors for Arsenal as well. I think as well. That's mm. that's just my personal opinion. Should have saved that Mope goal anyway. Still haven't forgiven him for that. Can't forgive Mope. Shit. Oh um, no, I'm talking about Martinez. Oh yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying, can't forgive Mope in general. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's... Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Though. He did. He did. Um, I will not. I will not be going overs for this particular game for goals. I think it will be a hard four. Um, I, I have a horrible feeling this is going to be a, a scrappy one-all type of result, which which concerns me. But I hope I'm wrong. That's just the pessimist coming out of me. And um, yeah, I think the tactical battle will be interesting because I think I actually think Villa will change formation for this game. I have a feeling, you know, yeah, I think he's going to bring out the three centre halves, two wing backs against us. I, I have a feeling mm. that's what he's going to going to pull. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we combat that. And slightly against the grain, against you guys, I do think we'll see Trossard in this game. I think he, I feel like there's enough clamour to give Martinelli a bit of a breather, um, and I think he's the logical change. And, and I also think Ben White will come back in for Tomiyasu as well. That's probably the two changes I would suspect. But um, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, 
Right, we are pushing an hour and a half now, so we'll finish with a couple of quick questions. Uh, I don't know which one of the two of you are doing questions, but uh, if we have any, go for gold. I don't know. Uh, I will, because I did star some, so I will do some. If you've got any questions, people put them in the chat, and we shall read them. Right. Oh, there is one from Cairo Boy, wasn't there? Cairo Boy, Cairo Boy. In the, you can probably answer that better than us, Carl. <laughs> Has the atmosphere gone down since Silver members were allocated less tickets? Buying last buying tickets at the moment, and I, I really should have got Femi on there, shouldn't I? But we'll get yeah. him on next show. Um, anyone who's anyone who's tried to buy Arsenal tickets will know how hard it is to buy Arsenal tickets at the moment. It's near enough impossible. I think um, the Leeds tickets went on sale yesterday or the day before. Um, and the website went down. So I went on there to try and get Leeds tickets. I logged on to the website. They they get released at 10 o'clock. I went on the website at, I think it must have been 25 past nine, and it, straight away you're in a queue, and that's when you know there are thousands of people on the website. So, okay, it's waiting. So it gives you expected time. You will be on the site at blah, 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 and I think it's I expected to be on the site at 9.55, I think it said. So it is what it is. I had it on in the background while I was at work. Um, blah, blah, blah. I kind of forgot. And I think it got to like one minute past 10. And that's when I looked up and I was like, oh, shit. So I clicked on back on, on the tab and it kicked me out. It totally kicked me out. And then I thought, fucking hell. So I literally thought, I'm not even going to bother to try and get back onto the website because it's not going to work. Went onto Twitter, as you do, and it happened to everyone. It kicked almost everyone off. Only a very small amount of people got onto it. Um, the demand for Arsenal tickets is really high at the moment, which I get. And then what pisses me off is that, like everything, like when they do, if it, people are into trainers, when they have uh, trainer releases, a lot of bots get them. So you see straight away, and straight away I went on to soccer tickets off Commonwealth website is, and you had Arsenal versus Leeds tickets on there for £500. Now, as much as I love Arsenal, and this is not even in the, um, in a box, this is like, your box standard seat. I'm not paying five hundred pound to watch Arsenal unless flipping. I get to sit down with the first team eleven after dinner and and fight them all on this podcast, and we all have a chat. That's the only time I'm paying five hundred pound to watch Arsenal. Um, so it's at the moment everybody's having ticket uh, trouble having getting tickets, and it's just getting. It's a good and a bad thing because obviously at the same time, I don't know if on the cameras you saw it yesterday, Emirates looked absolutely heaving yesterday, looked packed. And that's what you want to see. Every single game you want to see absolutely rammed out. But at the same time, um, against Brentford, you couldn't get a ticket for love nor money. But at the same time, the Emirates wasn't packed against Brentford. It was mm. relatively empty. Not empty, but not as full as it should have been. So, yeah. it, for me, there has to, Arsenal are not doing enough, in the slightest, about these bots. Like, when they go onto these websites and they see these tickets for £500, they should contact that website and say, who has got that ticket? Who has put it on there? Give us their details so we can contact them and take their ticket away. Take away the season ticket. Take away that ticket. Take away their membership. And it wouldn't be hard to do. It, I know maybe there's a freedom of information, um, privacy, maybe the website can't give it away, but surely there must be, if Arsenal say this ticket should not be resold, then that surely gets rid of that issue. So, Or even yeah, if there's... Just, uh, 
do you think it's much harder for silver members who especially ones who are very vocal about refusing to go to the emirates whilst um certain managers were in charge um, even actually <laughs> since the move and now suddenly want to go to the emirates um now that mm. arsenal are playing well do you think it's even more particularly hard for those particular fans to get tickets um resulting in them being even more vocal um than before about a subject that previously they didn't really care about i'm just asking yeah. for those uh, i don't i'm not mentioning any names do you know what? It's, it's it's just hard. It's it's just hard to get tickets in general. It's it's annoying as well because you've got these people who want to go um, and can't go, but all of a sudden, like you said, these people that are popping up who didn't want to go, and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go because Arsenal winning now. These fair weather fans, like it's just annoying. And you know, someone like me, I think on the season ticket waiting list, I'm. Um, Maybe 3,000, 2,000. I'm something like that. I've been on the season ticket waiting list for the best part of 15, 16 years. So that's how long it's, that's how how long it's taken been, me. How have you not been offered? I was offered in the COVID season. No, I wasn't. Post-COVID, I was offered I'm, a season ticket. And I'm, I'm, cool, I'm calling livid. I'm calling racism right there. Maybe. I was literally took it and just, sold it. Or... You know why? I just agreed to a Brighton season ticket because I didn't. You, I was getting an Arsenal one. If I, if you, known, if, Arsenal was coming through, I'd have taken it. But yeah, you're you're a white um, under middle aged man, Josh. If you lived in Manchester, they mm. would pay you to go to games by now. I did. I did. <laughs> That's that how it works. That <laughs> was the irony. I was living in Manchester at the time. <laughs> That's, the other reason why, That's why they offered it to you. <laughs> You'll be a referee by next year. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I know yeah. they've changed the season ticket and. Hopefully, Femi will come on next week and explain it because I know I think the season ticket has gone up, but you get more games, yeah, uh, for your money. And I think if we, want, I think Arsenal want more money up front for the season ticket. Yeah. So, if we lose to yeah, Villa, we'll do a ticket special and just not mention the game at all. I think that's the way mm. forward. Uh, <laughs> we'll try and get everybody on who didn't get a ticket, which um, will be a lot of people, or maybe we'll only yeah. get people who did get tickets. Uh, the, the only good thing is yes. it, it, it takes away my temptation to go up to games because, you know, because for me, it's like costs of traveling up there, staying over and potentially waking up with a drunk Jason in the same room. So, I mean, you know, there are wins <laughs> to, this, wow. to this situation. <laughs> God bless him. Um, I'm I'm going to shoot through these questions because there's a lot of a lot of ones in the chat. I'm just going to shoot them across to you guys because some of them are. They're all very quick fire, so just give me very short answers. Uh, Boytendio, Josh, if we lose to Villa, what is level-headed take then? Or what is a level-headed take then? I don't think there is one, is there? Go for um, nuclear. We're still level on points. I don't know. We've still got our game in hand, though, haven't we? But mm. I mean, Everton at home is... I mean, it's... Let's put it this way. I'm still expecting City to drop points. This mm, isn't City so. are not going to go and run a perfect season after this. If you think that, barely been watching the football at all hmm. um it, that's it's why not I, yeah it's not city dropping points that we need to worry about it's us dropping points that's the bit i'm worried about <laughs> if you yeah i agree I, with you true I, we're not hitting the perfect season either but that's hmm. the entire point of my argument is hmm. neither side is winning every game up until the rest of the season um true. it's just not gonna happen some and city well, have got quite a nice champions league draw 
So they'll be going far in that competition. And we know what happens when Pep's got his eye on something else. Mm-hmm. And that's the real trophy they want. And when we inevitably lose to Barcelona in the next round of the Europa League, we'll have a freer schedule. So that's always a bonus <laughs> as well. Um, okay, Carl, let me just skip the stupid ones from Danny. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, Martin Elliott, centre forward. Yeah, or nay for you? Would you give it a go? I think Eddie does need a rest. So, yes, I would. Like, it would be ideal to start Eddie, play Tross and start Trossard. And then if it doesn't work, then bring on um Martinelli at centre forward because Eddie's looking jaded and like you said there's no pressure on him he knows he could play uh a absolutely shit game and he's gonna start the next game because there's no one else behind him yeah agreed um and also I, I saw somebody go through the chat earlier and I can't remember who it was but someone was saying that uh Gabby Jesus is due back in early March yeah he might be due back in terms of being fit um but I don't think we're going to see that training. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think, you know, he's, he's at least five to six weeks away from being fully match ready. And then he's going to have to take time to reintegrate. And yeah, I think we, let's look at next season for, for, uh, for him. Um, I'll take the next question because it's on the same lines of uh, from G Balcom. Would you terminate Balogun's loan to get Eddie some backup? Absolutely not. Nope. You leave Balogun where he is. Uh, he continues to shred Liga, uh, get his value up, sell him in the summer. Happy days. I know that really winds people up when I say that, so cry more. Um, <laughs> Rudy asked the same question, actually. So there we go, Rudy. Ask that one. Um, Josh, Mr. Waffles, do Arteta's tactics need to be more flexible? I know where I stand on that one. Um, do his tactics need to be more flexible? No, the personnel B. do. No, the personnel okay. need to be. That's that's my option. That's my thoughts anyway, if we're going yeah. short. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I can see where you're coming from there. Um, I think that's it, actually. Yeah, I think that is it. So, yes, that is it. We've, we've rattled through those. Good stuff. Thank you. Um, right. So, as I say, if you are watching live and you haven't yet fiddled with our bell and tickled our balls or whatever it is that you have to say, uh, if you could do that, that'd be great. So click subscribe and give us a like or a thumbs up or whatever various platform you're listening to us on or watching us. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we were looking at some stats earlier on and another very high profile podcast makes like £400,000 a month. So it's about time you started giving us some money, you freeloading scumbags. I'm joking, of course, but uh, they do a fabulous job. Um, but yeah, all jokes aside, if you can get us up the old uh, algorithm, that'd be fabulous. Here's Thank you. Here's a quick much. question as well. If we were mm-hmm. earning um, at a minimum half a million dollars uh, a year doing mm. um, a podcast. How arrogant would you be? Oh, massively. More, I'd be or, an more ap- or less. More or I'd less be an than absolute that cunt. I'd be, <laughs> I'd, I'd be full. I would be the biggest cunt you've ever met. And I'll tell you what else I'd be as well, Josh. I'd be available six to seven days a week to do a podcast at any time of day. Yeah. I would. I would. But unfortunately... Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it, if if it was your actual job, I mean, but unfortunately, like you, Carl, and you, yeah, but you don't have, you have, don't have to do your job properly. You know, if referees don't have to do their jobs, then why should you? That's true. In fact, it's like I mean, I have been looking. Just I've been looking at the tube. Uh, I've been looking at the tube uh, lines at the moment, Carl, and uh, I can really tell you're on full referee <laughs> workload. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what we need to do. You know what we need. We need to do. I don't know if either of you two watched The Apprentice, but we couldn't do any worse than the fuckwits they've got on that show this year. 
So I just think we just put in a business plan to Sugar and say, look, we're massive Spurs fans. We've got a great idea, you know, and then we sabotage the whole show, fuck them up in the process and get a quarter of a million. Happy days. And liquidate you know, Spurs. That was and our plan all along. Down the toilet bowl. I can you make go. you some massive, I've got some great real estate. You can turn it into a beautiful car park and uh, retail site. Yeah, prime <laughs> location, just on or the edge of London. You'll love it. You'll or love scrapyard. It. It'd be fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Um, just before we go, and I, ha- I genuinely don't want to bring the mood down because I feel like we've done that badly and badly enough. That's terrible grammar. Uh, we've done that in a, in, a, in, a, in a pretty bad way as it is. But. Um, Something that that is really kind of captured me a little bit this week. Um, in this country, and indeed, I'm sure other countries all around the world, every single day of the week, um, people go missing, and um, there are various reasons behind that, and there are various circumstances behind that. And I'm sure everyone watching this will be quite familiar with the case that's going on in the UK at the moment, um, the Nicola Bully case, and obviously, you know, we wish everybody that's having or involved in any way, shape or form has been affected by that. And, and, you know, we still maintain the hope that she does come back safe and sound. But I did think that it wouldn't be a bad idea just to mention that if you, you know, are aware of people that go missing or you want to reach out to somebody or whatever the circumstances are, uh, excluding podcast members, Danny, thank you very much. Um, please do reach out to these free phone lines uh, and whatnot, because, it's genuinely heartbreaking when you see families torn apart for no apparent reason. And you know us, we're all we like to have a laugh and a giggle and, and we're all we're all good mates on here and we like to keep it fun and friendly, but there are real life situations out there that are pretty bloody heartbreaking. And I think it's fair to say the way the police have handled it up there with this case in particular has been nothing short of a fucking shambles. So um if you do have any information or if you know somebody that you just haven't seen for a while or you're concerned about getting in touch with them, um, and for those who don't know, there is a, a missing persons helpline, which you can ring double one six treble zero if you get any information on anybody who has been missing. So I just wanted to raise that because it's really captured my my heart, I think it's fair to say this week, and um, I think it's worth highlighting. So all the best to that family, and hopefully uh, hopefully there is a happy outcome, although sadly it doesn't feel like it's going to be. But uh, that being said, we'll uh, we'll take it back to a highbrow. Let's hope we get the result against Villa on Sunday, because I think we're all pretty fed up with the uh, down spell of uh, the month of February so far and back in the January. So let's get back on the happy train. Hopefully Unai can... Uh, have one of his moments and, and let us have a nice easy win on Sunday. We'll be, we'll be back. I think we'll do a preview show. Do either of you know if Danny's arranging that? I don't know. No, yeah. he's a fucking idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, he doesn't know. He's, he's, he doesn't have a clue. We'll, we'll oh, do a preview show. Sunday. Oh, sorry, Saturday. It's Saturday lunchtime. Sorry, I don't know what fucking day of the week it is, to be honest. Uh, Saturday lunchtime, 12.30. We're on BT, so that's great because we all know their commentary is fantastic. I will promise this time that I won't watch the first half of the game before leaving to go to another game um, because I did that last time we lost to Everton. Yeah, if you could not do that, that would be good, Josh. Yeah, that would be be really good. Uh, And also, if you're watching Rio... Uh, if you just views on how we play football itself, you fuckwit. Thank you very much. Uh, right. So, Carl, thank you very much. Um, good, good, uh, good journeys to you tomorrow. Keep that London underground ticking over, good sir. Uh, good evening. <laughs> you had to, didn't you? You just had to. <laughs> uh, and a Josh masterclass as always. Uh, thank you, Josh. 
Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, I've been all backed up after uh, not podcasting last week. So I'm happy to have uh, yeah, released all my podcast energy on this here show. I, I, my, mind has gone, my mind has gone to places I don't really want it to go to for any prolonged period of time. So I'm going to leave that there. Uh, thank you to all of you who have watched live in the chat. We appreciate you. As always, look after yourselves and each other. Keep it Arsenal. Let's hope for three points on Saturday, not Sunday. And we shall speak to you very soon. Good night. Hashtag fuck. Ellis. Thank you. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at it. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>